Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. <laughs> All righty then. This is Kurt Mortensen, Podcast 488. Welcome to Maximize Your Influence. Always good to have you here to, again, learn the skills. It'll make a big difference in your life, your business, your income, your relationships, all of the above, things we should have learned in school. Let's get into it. Let's learn some skills that make a huge difference, as I said, in every aspect of your life. So let's go into the persuasion blunder. Don't, don't, don't. Now you might ask who has the most blunders on the podcast, and it's me. <laughs> I make blunders like everyone else. I make mistakes like everyone else. I'm a probably better persuasion coach than a persuader at times, but that's okay. So here I am at a family reunion. It was on the ocean, and everyone had their own little kind of like bungalow on the water. The sand was right there, beautiful, and we had a whole string of them. We were all arriving and getting checked in. It was the first night of dinner. And we do these big family dinners. And so the food was being served. I was filled with my plate. And all the picnic tables were pretty full. So I just moved down one to the right. And I started eating. <laughs> it's all by myself. I'm sure people were going to join me. And this guy comes walking up. So what are you doing? I'm like eating dinner. How's it going? We were talking. And I finally realized I was sitting at his table in front of his bungalow. I had made the assumption that we had the whole row, but I guess there was a couple within the row that we didn't have, and I was violating his space. That's known as proxemics, the study of space. And again, I bet you thousands of people have had that table over the year, but on that day, that was his table and I was sitting on it. And he was pretty cool about it. We laughed about it. I apologized and said, you know, I thought this was our table. We actually became really good friends, talked quite a bit throughout the week. But at that time, violation of space, who's that sitting at my table, even though he wasn't using it? I mean, he went on to say, go ahead and use it. I'm like, that's okay. We have plenty of tables. My apologies. We had a good laugh. But it's interesting as human beings, we all have our area, our space, whether it be people touching things at our desk or whether it be in the close talker. And that varies by culture. Hey, and if you want to know more about this, go to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We've did whole podcast on proxemics. Also, the place to find out more about advanced influence and take your free persuasion IQ assessment. But anyway, there's our plug. Check it out. There's also a way to contact me there. But this could go space at a sporting event, to a movie theater, to seating arrangements, to stalls or urinals at the restroom. To even parking spots. You see a lot of people just waiting there. They know that someone's waiting for their spot, but that's their spot for now, their space for now. That has always fascinated me. Or if I'm doing a three-day seminar, I guarantee you 95% of the time, where you sat the first day is probably where you're going to sit the second day. And so a lot of times in these seminars, I have to say, look, second day, you're sitting in a new spot. We have to move the nameplates around or put them in the back. They have to pick them up and move them. But standard behavior, this is my spot. This is my comfort zone. It is real. It is across every culture. You have your space, your boundaries, and it's different. 
North Americans need more space to talk to someone than South Americans. Germans need more space than North Americans. In some cultures, they just need to feel your breath. That closeness, which might give some of you, what's the scientific term, the heebie-jeebies or the willies. So I'll take it. I'll be the blunder. I blew it. I violated someone's space. I recovered. But you have to be very careful with people's space. Sitting in their favorite chair, taking their parking spot. And I might even add eating their favorite donut when everyone knows it's their favorite donut and you ate it. I'm not sure if that's quite proxemics, but it's still violating someone's space or at least violating their expectations. So time for listener email. Oh boy! This is Sandra from Brazil. She said, Kurt, last week you had an interview with Davina Stanley and she talked about how Jeff Bezos banned PowerPoint. Can you tell me more about that? Is that true? What's really going on? I get it, but it seems like everyone's still using it. Is PowerPoint persuasive? Should I use it? Any tips or tricks? So Sandra, for the email, and this is for anybody that does this, for sending the email and using it on the podcast, you get the gold level of InfluenceUniversity.com, which is everything all in one place, 52-week libraries, pretty much everything I've done in one spot. In fact, I'll give you a special here at the end of the podcast. So, Sandra, that is true. Jeff Bezos did ban PowerPoint. It was pretty much for the management team, the upper management. I don't think it was the whole company. But it's no secret that Steve Jobs hated PowerPoint, Elon Musk, Mark Cuban. I mean, I don't know if anybody likes PowerPoint. And let me qualify that. Presenters love it. It's like a warm blanket. You're going to remember everything. You won't look stupid. So you dim the lights, shadow on your face, less credibility. Give your audience time to sleep. Your back's to the audience. Reading it to them like it's two years old. Sure, you didn't forget anything, but uh, not persuasive, not engaging, not charismatic. Sure, why do we do it? It's easier. It is. It's easier than writing out a whole presentation. It takes less time to create a PowerPoint presentation than write out a paper or an outline. So it does save prep time. You can change things on the fly. One word here, one word here, add a bullet here. I mean, PowerPoint basically requires no writing skill, really. One, two, three word bullets. And I think the other one too, is kind of the standard. I know some companies I go to that I'm doing maybe a eight hour, two, three day seminar. They, they want PowerPoint and that's probably okay in that situation. But a 60 minute, a 10 minute presentation, I don't know. I guess it depends if you want to make sure you don't forget anything or you want to be persuasive, engaging, and get the yes. So with that, let's get into the geeky Scarly article. This is from ScienceDirectFolion.com and Inc. Magazine based on a Harvard study. So they said slideshow presentations are irritating to create, mostly boring to watch, and worst of all, they don't work. So why do we keep using them for presentations? But let's talk about this article, and let's add some content. What can we do about this? So the article is, why did Jeff Bezos ban PowerPoint from his meetings? So again, this is true. It was a unilateral ban on slideshow presentation in executive meetings. He wanted what he called narrative-driven memos with real sentences, topics, verbs, (laughs) nouns, instead of going through what was called death by PowerPoint. 
fact, if you want to chuckle, there's a comedian on YouTube that does death by PowerPoint. In fact, I'll put a link to it at MaximizeYourInfluence.com under this podcast. <laughs> Listen to it. It's funny because it's pretty much true. All the things you shouldn't do with PowerPoint. And this Harvard research shows that it only takes six minutes for us to switch off during a presentation. And over 58% admitted to falling asleep during a business slideshow presentation. And that's just the ones that owned up to it. Now, let's say six minutes. Uh, that might be true for a business presentation. You need to be there. You need to learn something. But I think in the real world, that is going down fast. I know it's going down fast. You have maybe a few minutes, maybe even 30 seconds to grab their attention. So a deeper dive on that research, 22% start to drift off in less than six minutes of the presentation. By 10 minutes, it's 48% are thinking of more interesting things. Food, relationships, fill in the blank, whatever it is. So that study is saying you're losing 70% within 10 minutes. And I'm sure your close is after the 10-minute mark. So part of the study, they had people, audiences, rate PowerPoint presentations compared to a presenter that used no visual stimuli. And it found there is no evidence to suggest that slideshows helped audiences understand or retain the information any better than a speaker or presenter that did not use it. So the study goes on to say that cognitive psychology tells us bullet points don't work. And we know that visuals usually work, but then text on a slide like we've talked about before is not a visual aid. They stimulate different parts of the brain. You know, a good visual aid, a good graph chart picture, the right time, I'm with you on that. That could help you, but we're using way too many is the biggest challenge. We go on to say one of the big complaints is the bullet point, commonly misused, overused, and abused in the slideshow, kind of like we talked about last week. The abuse of PowerPoint, especially the one word title at the top instead of using a sentence. It was mentioned instead of saying goals, sales goals for 2023. Put a little more information there. It seems to make a difference. And the last thing about the bullet, for the person seeing it, they make information more difficult to process and to remember. Kind of mentioning it's just not how the brain works. Now, recent research from the University of Central Lancashire shows the cognitive load constraints mean that bullet points often overwhelm the audiences with too much information. And what have we talked about time and time again? And an overwhelmed brain says no. A confused brain says no, shuts down, turns off. They're not going to like, oh, I don't get it. People just don't do that. So another interesting study, they decided to use PowerPoints, two different types. So they had two groups. The first group attended a presentation with traditional bullet point PowerPoint slides. The second group attended a presentation what they called sparse slides. So minimized text, some diagrams, broke the information up over several different slides, make it simple, made it easy. And the sparse, simple slides, those participants remembered over two times more than the traditional slides. I love what General Mattis of the U.S. Marine Court said, PowerPoint makes us stupid. <laughs> that is so true. So there you have it. First of all, don't use it if you don't have to. You're the presentation. You're the persuader. Make sure it's visual aid, not just text on a slide. Keep it simple. I would put a black slide in if you want the audience's eyes come back to you. 
That's such a simple thing that you can do. Blank on a clicker. If you hit B for boy on PowerPoint, it blanks it out. Any of those things can do a very good job just to have all the eyes come back to you, especially that moment you're persuading, asking for the yes. There's also a study out of Penn State University. And remember, all the links are at MaximizeYourInfluence.com under this podcast. They go until we process information faster and retain it better when we consume it through an interactive medium. I mean, video is more interactive than PowerPoint. Audio could be more interactive. Group exercises, rhetorical questions. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to keep your audience more active than engage. Edutainment, polls, surveys. A lot of different ways you can do that. Because remember... Text or language on a slide is one part of the brain, and it can rapidly lead to cognitive overload. And part of it, too, is if you really need PowerPoint, you are not ready to present. And I'm not talking about your weekly meetings, but if you have that presentation, you need a rocket, your job's on the line, money's on the line, your bandwidth needs to be on your audience not recalling what to say next. Remember, I've talked about this before. That when you write a paper, you edit it two, three, four times. When you create a presentation, here's the rule. This is where everyone blows it. 50% of your time's in the creation. The 50% of the time's in the practice. The practice is your editing. Well, it sounds good in my brain. I kind of went through my slides. That doesn't count for the perfect persuasive presentation. So you're like, what do we do from here? How can we do this? I mean, PowerPoint has its place. Here's a quick fix, and I just learned this a few years ago, that in PowerPoint, if you have five minutes left and you still have 20 slides and you, you go through them real fast, it freaks out your audiences. It depends on the software you use. Check out your own hotkey, but there's a hotkey that'll let you go to the very last slide and nobody knows that you skipped 10 slides. Check it out. It's a game saver, especially if you don't want your audience upset. So the future. I don't think Prezi and lots of movements is a way to do it, if you know that. Platform, PowerPoint, I mean, there's some expectation. There's a lot of government, medical device, pharmaceutical companies I've trained for that require PowerPoint. It has to be sent out ahead of time. I get it. You have to work within your constraints. But how can you simplify it? How can you tell more stories? How can you make it more memorable? How can you be more interactive? Realize you don't always have to use it, again, depending on your parameters. Can you do an exercise, a role play, have different media that they can use? I would recommend if you had to use it, maybe a slide every couple minutes. Blank it out with a black slide or a button if you need to. Simplify the slides, make sure they're visuals, not just text. Remember, if you feel like you have to use it, maybe you're not ready for the presentation. <laughs> I know this is not what you want to hear, but I'm telling you, anybody can present and read off some PowerPoint slides. Are you persuasive? Are you getting the yes? Are you influential? Remember, our brains are hardwired for narrative, for stories. Stories are persuasive. They persuade without detection. They keep people engaged. Facts, figures light up two parts of the brain. Stories light up seven parts of the brain. Neuroscientists have found time and time again that emotion is the quickest, fastest, easiest, bestest way to the brain, the fastest way to persuade. If you want people to grab onto your idea, you want something to become viral, it has to be done with a story. It's okay to show the data, the graphs, the charts, the statistics. I get it. You need the logic. You have to prove your point, but you need to turn those data points 
into a story, the one that was wrong, the person that was helped, the one success story, whatever it is, that's what becomes memorable and that's what becomes persuasive. And that's why it was banned, because bullet points are the least effective way of sharing ideas. Hey, I'm guilty. I use it. People expect it. But I try to mix it up a little bit, use just a little bit as much as I have to, and then add the interactivity. Remember, bullets don't inspire. They don't persuade. They don't influence. But the stories do. And the second one, interaction, interactivity does. Remember, the group exercises, the videos, the audios, the polls, the surveys, the contests, the games, the surprises, whatever it is, edutainment, that is the future. Not only educating, but being entertaining, being charismatic. And the audience is going to feel like that 60 minutes was maybe 20 minutes. That's the key. Because you've been to movies before, you're like, geez, this thing ever going to end? And that was about the 30-minute mark. <laughs> you've probably been to movies, too, at the two-hour mark. You thought you've only been there an hour. That is the same thing with persuasive presentations. I know it's been abused. Sometimes we still need to use it. Remember, we're dealing with emotional creatures that are lazy at times. Their brain finds the easiest, laziest route, and text and data just overwhelms the brain. The text on a slide could overwhelm the brain. So can you communicate that text with an image, with a video, with the graph, with a chart? In fact, there was a study done by Sumo that looked at 650,000 articles on the internet and that the average visitor only reads about 25% of the text, if that. Some people just go right to the bullets. They go right to the summary. That's why YouTube's the number two search engine. We don't want to read it. We want to see it. So what type of image, infographic, can convey your message in less than a second, two seconds, three seconds? Get to the point. Because if you don't have an image, a graphic, something to grab their attention, studies show by John Medina that people only remember 10% of what they read. But a great image, people remember 65% of what they've seen. You know this to be true. You just got to do it. So there you have it. Sandra, hopefully that answers your questions. Yes, it's been banned. But hey, you're the presentation. You're the charismatic person. Does it take more time, energy, preparation, practice? Yes. You don't talk about your weekly meetings that don't matter. But man, if you have that meeting that matters, do it right. Spend just as much time in the practice as you do in the creation and preparation. At least reduce your PowerPoint by 50%. Increase your practice by 50%, and it'll make a huge difference in your success. So there you have it. That's our podcast of the week. That's one for the books. Remember, all the links will be at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. I mentioned InfluenceUniversity.com. That's everything I've created in one spot. It's all mapped out for you week by week, or you just go to what you need. So I'll put in a special link to give you a lifetime membership for $97. And I'll also put a link for the perfect persuasive presentation. It's a free webinar on how to structure a perfect persuasive presentation. So thanks for listening. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can find it at iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, under Maximize Your Influence. All right. Cut out the PowerPoint. Become more persuasive. Learn how to be charismatic and go out and persuade 
with power. 